this is Dr. Amanda Wine, and it is Wednesday, the 17th of October, 2018. And this is Dr. Nelson Ma, and welcome to Count Me In, uh, where we provide an accounting perspective on business news from Australia and around the world. Woohoo! That's actually our third time recording the intro. Okay, we didn't have, so you didn't have to say it. We're excited right, okay. that we managed to get it right. <laughs> yes. I think by episode four, we got the intro right. But uh, Nelson, how are you doing this week? I'm great. Yeah, it's final week of teaching we're we're happy dancing yeah not because we don't get to see students again it's because we we just want to see all the the fruits of 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 our of our labor sort of (laughs) come to fruition in in the final exam and we we have our fingers crossed that everyone's been listening and engaging in their activities yes i'm very excited about that i know (laughs) that uh, a lot of my students have been quite exhausted over the last few weeks because they've had their financial statement analysis Ah, oh, yes. Assignment. Assignments. So they're looking a bit tired. Yes. So I'm hoping everyone's reinvigorated yes, for absolutely. our very last week of class. Let's hope so. And how are you? How are the kids, all that? Oh, I'm okay. I'm okay. We're trying to get Audit Junior to sleep in his own bed. And I swear it takes me like two hours to get him to sleep every single Aww. night. It's very cute. He's got every excuse in the world. Uh, he wants a new toy, wants a cuddle. So yeah, I'm a bit, bit behind on YouTube video making. Because usually I do that at night once he goes to sleep, and now I'm exhausted. Yeah. Bef- and then it's bedtime. So uh, I'm looking <laughs> forward to the break a little bit to make a little bit more content, especially on some things that we've already talked about. So Max mm. Brenner and um, obviously more great episodes of the podcast. How yes. are you holding up in the wet weather? It's Well, I was sick about a week and a half ago, so that wasn't too pleasant. I didn't um, notice you were sick. Yeah, I'm sick now every three or four weeks. Just, you hit it very well. I just show up and do my thing. It's take a lot of drugs. It's yeah, that that kind of helps, and I just sleep a lot, <laughs> so that kind of makes up for it. So otherwise, I'm well. Yeah. That's a single guy thing, right? You can I go think. home and then just sleep. Yeah, I don't have to worry about kids. Nobody like wakes that. you up in the middle of the no night needing a drink. Nope. Go to the toilet. Nope. Um, nope you're you're not leaving the house going. Where are your pants? Yeah, that's just that's just something I, I reserve for myself. <laughs> just a little post-it note on the back of the store. Wear <laughs> pants. Wear pants. Today. Yeah, I guess I should. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, let's let's jump into it. So let me Absolutely. run through the key indicators for this week. So gold is currently trading at seventeen hundred and fifteen uh, Australian dollars per ounce. So it is up. Market's still not for entirely four, confident. Yeah. So yeah. Still some jitters there. Yeah. So last week it was trading at about sixteen seventy two. So we're you know over thirty four dollars up from the previous week. And there's, I guess, good reason to be a little bit concerned or the market to be concerned and a little bit on edge. We've got the China-America trade war. I think it was another $250 billion in tariffs slapped on just recently on China. And uh, Donald Trump certainly has an interesting negotiating style. We also see a change in the US dollar. Well, there's a a slight improvement in the US dollar, but not really. No. uh, So we're currently trading at uh, 71.32 cents. So every Australian dollar buys you 71.32 US dollars. So it's a bit up from the previous week, but the previous week we were sort of touching a three-year low or so. So things aren't doing too well in terms of the exchange rate. So they're not seeing Australia as this... And it's not dropping. So I guess the good thing for us is it's not going any further down. No, it's holding steady, but 
uh, from news reports, it may drop a bit further mm. in more recent months. So in more com- the coming months. So if you are planning to go overseas soon, which I am, I'll you'll, you should probably change your uh, your currency soon. So you need to buy euros, correct? I'm going, yeah, euros. Nelson's going to Paris just before Christmas. Yes. It was a conference. It's, it's a conference. I'm, I'm working. <laughs> He's not just going on a holiday. Oh, no, no, not at all. No, I don't, I don't holiday. Uh, so, yeah. So And then oil is oil, slightly down in it's, price. It's down. So, we, so Malaysian. Yep. So Mala- Malaysian Tapas Crude is what is our basis for the oil price in Australia. So it's at, trading at 82.62 Australian dollars per um per gallon so it's down about six dollars from last week that was 88.57 and the all ordinaries index is up a bit but still down overall over the year yes so it's up about one percent in the last day or so so it's trading at about six thousand and thirty seven however it's down about 120 points from last week yeah, there was a massive amount of this selling. Is, this is billions of dollars off the market too. So last week, every Tens time billion, you opened yeah. the paper, it was uh, ten billion wiped off the market. Another fifteen billion, and and you know, realistically, is that real money? Mm. Because I guess unless you're selling, you know, changes in stock price don't necessarily mean a change in your personal wealth unless you sell. No, not at all. Um, yeah, so it's. At the moment, like, this is all sort of market sentiment driven. Mm-hmm. So the gains we're seeing in the stock market are driven particularly by um, sort of a, a rebound in Wall Street. Mm-hmm. So investors are seeing sort of good economic news come out. So we're at a point of uh, where we see a lot of earnings reports coming out for mm-hmm. U.S. companies. Uh, with So their optimism is driving the market. So their optimism is basically driving the market. So we're seeing really good earnings reports from Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, Johnson & Johnson in the US, and Mm -hmm. that's, as a result, sort of pushing our stocks higher, that optimism. I'm a bit suspicious about good Mm. earnings from financial advising companies. So if Mm. you look at Goldman and Morgan Stanley, these are both big brokerage firms, advising firms. So they're making money off giving other people advice. Yes. Um, I guess I'd be more upbeat if I saw profits from companies that are making you know a good so if we saw this out of General Motors um, if we saw this out of you know West Farmers so for me personally big companies that advise on mergers and acquisitions Mm. and are brokerage houses they make money whether the market's going up or down yeah, it's not necessarily value creation per se compared to companies actually. So they're facilitating a service facilitating essentially. Services, but if, yeah. if you're more of a value creation type of business, then if I see good growth in those areas, I think I feel a little bit more Yeah, like manufacturing. Positive. And, yeah, because yeah. I'm pretty sure even in the midst of the last global financial crisis, Goldman was making money. Yes. Even if that's just off commissions who, of people who are selling yep. who are losing money. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess it, it is basically one measure of, a, a lot of trading and, and, yeah, the uncertainty that requires hmm. more financial advice. Interesting stuff. Yeah. So um, we are seeing um, gains in Australia by the banks and the and oil stocks. So things are going a bit better for the banks this week. A bit more optimistic. Not so great for mining stocks. No. Though. Mining stocks are not doing too well. And I think it could be driven in some part by the recent UN report, which is a segue into our main topic. 
Very smooth, Nelson. Yes, thank you. And I say very smooth because it's actually the second time we've recorded our podcast today because the first time my computer crashed and we didn't even notice after we'd been talking for about half an hour. It was a lovely conversation. We respect <laughs> At least we had some practice rather than just winging it yes. by the seat of our pants. Um, so if you haven't noticed, the United Nations released a report that indicated that by 2040, we're going to be in the midst of pretty bad climate change. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they predicted some fairly significant increases in the world's climate. And they've said that we should limit climate change or the increase in the world's temperature to 1.5 degrees yes. over the next 12 years, which is to 2040. So they're talking about 2040 in this report. The Paris Agreement, which is agreement that I think was, a, I think you said 180 countries in the world have yeah, signed, so countries. not the US. Nope. I believe Australia signed the Paris Agreement to limit climate change to two degrees. Yes. And now the UN is coming out with this report saying, well, it needs to be 1.5. Yeah, two degrees is not enough. So, yeah, there's been a lot of discussion about the effect of a two-degree increase uh, in terms of increasing the amount of droughts, basically fires, just a lot of... Hurricanes. Hurricanes. These disasters are going to increase in frequency. And, uh, yeah, I even read an article recently saying that a lot of Australia is subject to a huge risk that if there is any sort of natural disaster, we don't have the infrastructure to protect ourselves, especially since we're... We're most a coastal... Of us, we're a coastal... Co- country, yeah. 80% of us are 15%, 50, uh, within 50 kilometres of the ocean side. So. I wonder... So what I don't know, I guess, is... is if we do have a 1.5 to 2 degree rise, how much that raises the oceans by? Because we know that that's going to kill off a lot of the world's coral, which is an yeah. important part of biological ecosystems. Yeah. Um, how's that going to affect fish? How's that going to affect property values? We talked about property values yeah. last week, I think. <laughs> yeah. If you're buying Bondi beachside uh, beachside <laughs> property or byron bay beachside property getting a bit worried because um um there is this chart uh, issued uh, from the guardian article and it shows that there is a pretty high chance of coastal flooding as we hit the one to one and a half degree level increase so we're getting to that stage where and that's probably going to mean that pretty extreme there's not you know we're going through a drought at the moment or we're hopefully breaking the drought with this rain that we're having in new south wales at the yeah. moment yeah but, you know, the cycle of the weather has changed, even from when I, I'm going to use that awful phrase, when I was a little girl, which was a thousand years ago, <laughs> when I was very young, I remember that winters used to be very wet. Mm. We would wear gumboots all the time. Winters were much colder than they are now, and they were much wetter. Mm. What I know, and I'm almost 40, so what I know in that 30 years is that I've noticed winters are getting much drier. Yes. And that's when our farmers need their rain so they need rain in what we would typically think of as winter yes and our spring has become very very wet and not wet in a raining just a little bit every day in a flash flooding heavy dumpings of rain mostly on the coastline sort of way yes so even in the years that i've been alive i've seen a change in weather patterns and we know that our summers are getting even hotter yes we know that people are demanding more and more air conditioning, yeah. which is a greater demand for perhaps, I think the federal government, well, Barnaby Joyce is lobbying for another coal-fired plant, yes. power plant. And, you know, if we're going to try and keep 
climate change or the change in the temperature to 1.5 degrees or less to give our children and Nelson's theoretical future children and my children some sort of sustainable future, then we need to have strong leadership on this. And you might think, what does that have to do with accounting? Well, it has Mm. everything to do with accounting because the government won't do this unless the numbers stack up. Yes. And that means polling numbers in terms of popularity and can they get re-elected and the economics of it. Yes. Because we did at one point have a a scheme for people that chose to install solar power on their roofs and the government cut the scheme, I think maybe only one year into the three-year program Mm. because so many people claimed it that they ran out of money to fund it. Yeah. And so we need to move to more renewable energies. Yes. And, um, you know, there's a crazy figure, and I don't know whether it's true or not, but I've heard it a lot. There's more solar panels on houses in Germany than there are here. And that's pretty ridiculous. Because mm. it's, it's sunny here, and it's, it's not, sunny not, here not a so lot. sunny It's Germany. sunny here a lot. So why aren't we doing more? And I think it's got to be the government that takes that lead because we know that people need incentives to make the expenditure, so which part of the government or who's going to be brave enough to stand up and say, well, you know, this is agency, mm. right? If you think about it, this is the agency problem straight away. Parliamentarians mm. and politicians mm. are like managers. Yes. Because they're in it for the short term. They might get voted out at the next election. Yes. So they're trying to make decisions to ensure their short-term survival. Yes. And those decisions may not be in the long-term best interests Absolutely. for humanity. Yeah. I mean, the government is like a business. Their so goal, how do we bond them? Their goal is to, may, is to redu- uh, reduce their deficits and make a surplus so that they're saving money so that they look good, right? When there's a budget surplus, we're all pretty impressed. And in, even in the more recent months, just last month, government released their 27-2018 outcome mm-hmm. in terms of their budget. And they actually managed to exceed their budget expectations by about $11 billion. So they actually exceeded their expectations. We they could saved put more a money. lot of solar panels on roofs for $11 billion. Yeah. But the point is, they did that so that they can win favour with, um, with voters, Right? The, the so that they can give sh- people a tax break. Yeah, and they can give tax breaks and all that. and Tax that, breaks to the rich. That fuels, you know, the uh. economy apparently and everyone's happy. But effectively, their targets are based on accounting numbers. They're, they're, they conducted basic variance analysis to show that <laughs> they performed better than their expectations. Uh, this makes me so angry. Yeah. I, I guess as a parent, this makes me really angry in that we need to look for the big picture. And yeah, how do we, you know, and obviously change starts with the single person. Yes. And I guess Elon Musk is one of those types of people. And it was the Atlassian guys who said, hey, Elon Musk, any chance you could build a big-ass battery in the desert of South yeah. Australia to help them with their power? And, hey, that was individuals getting it done. Yes. So how do we convince people, how do we motivate people to make this choice for long-term sustainability of the planet over the short term of going on a holiday, paying children's school fees, you know, surviving. Because we are talking about that this is a very expensive outlay. Yes. That's not something everybody's going to be able to afford. Yes. Um, And it's about how do we incentivise the government or how does the government incentivise people then 
Yeah, so to make that investment, I think uh, there's been discussion about how to actually implement market-based solutions to global warming. Um, so the Nobel Prize winner for economics was someone who actually started developing these sort of solutions. Like you know, it's uh, like an emissions about. trading scheme, right? Yeah. So basically, put a carbon tax in, and that at least sort of promotes more cleaner technology. Mm-hmm. And so it. If there was something like a carbon tax or some sort of tax that forced companies to look for cleaner alternatives, that would then give individuals a reason to look for cleaner alternatives. Mm. Because if you had a carbon tax, you would expect that energy prices increase, and then households, as as unfair as it sounds, see higher house uh, electricity prices, and then have to look for better alternatives like using. And I guess panels. businesses as well, because businesses use electricity. Yeah. So then, how can they change their practices? to use less electricity, less water. Because I saw an interesting thing Mm. on a graphic from UTS Science, and it said that if you have... Now we have no plastic bags. You you don't get a free plastic bag when you go to Woolworths. A green Woolies bag, those sort of woven plasticky sort of bags, I think you have to use something like Mm. 20 times for it then to become a net positive. Yes. A calico bag, which is the cotton ones, which I always thought were a better alternative, apparently you have to use more than 141 times. Wow. Because of the water and the energy that goes into the cotton production. Yeah. And then the thicker plastic bag, which is obviously made from petroleum, those thick plastic bags that you buy for 15 cents, I think you have to use four or five times for then it to become a net positive. So it's about making people aware... Yes. Um, we know at Aldi, for example, they make everything comes wrapped in plastic. All their fruits and vegetables come wrapped in plastic because that's part of their model for speedy service and low prices as everything is standardized. Well, how can we encourage those sorts of businesses to make changes? And I know that every time I go to the, this might sound really weird, every time I go to the bathroom at Ikea, Okay. And I know that sounds strange, but yeah, I, I, live close, I live close to the Ikea at Marsden Park and my kids love meatballs. Oh, yeah. So when I give them the choice of McDonald's or meatballs, it's 50-50 as to which they're going to go to. But each time we go to Ikea and you go to the bathroom, you go to put your hands in one of those Dyson air dryers, Mm. there's a little sign that talks about how many solar panels are on the roof of that Ikea store and how much Mm. electricity it generates and it offsets. Yeah. And so I always think of that as a positive. I like the idea of a carbon tax. We've tried a carbon tax. Didn't work. The mining companies Big just business. brought down brought down the government. To... <sighs> Political donations, damn you. Yes, not Maybe a great idea. Maybe we need to ban company donations. <laughs> yeah, well, that's I think that's a, that's a huge political. That, that's issue a whole that other issue that we could talk about. On dealing with. But I, I feel as though uh, you know IKEA is is taking sort of active steps, and that's good because a majority of all pollution does come from you know big corporations, mm-hmm. right? Um, whether, whether it be sort of, you know, large companies in their manufacturing or agriculture. Yep. Um, you know, There's I, a lot of cow farts, as my yeah, kids would so, say. Yeah, a lot of <laughs> methane. A lot of a methane lot of, from cows. A lot of methane from cows. So we could eat more. a lot less meat? Yeah, because I, I, I watched a documentary on, on Netflix, and it's, it's Vox Explained, and, there was, and it, was a, um, it was an episode about water. Mm. It basically takes about uh, 15,000 litres, you know, to worth of water to, to, to sort of... For one cow. Oh my god! Fifteen thousand. Yeah, that's a lot of water. That's a lot of water. Even for like a t-shirt, it's it's in the thousands just mm. to make a t-shirt, right? 
and you, you'd be not aware of these things, right? Because it would change your spending habits if you mm. knew that that T-shirt that you're about to buy is gonna. It, it's a, you know over a thousand liters of actual and water to make that. And the question becomes then, how on earth can Target or Big W or Kmart make a T-shirt that they can sell for ten dollars? Mm. That uses so much in terms of resources. Well, that's the thing. This that's is product costing 101, right? Have we included all the cost? Well, oh, from, from, something's going wrong here in the model. Basic economics, the water itself is so cheap. Right mm. now, the cost of water is, is ridiculously low, and that's what makes it feasible. But so maybe the, water water needs to become priced more appropriately. Yeah. And even the right to water could be an asset. Yeah. Especially if you're looking at farming communities. Yes. Um, farmers have to apply to draw water out of the river for irrigation. Yes. And the more you pay, the more water that you can draw. Yes. But that doesn't help if there's not enough water at the source, potentially. Yeah, because basically these big businesses can put pressure on the government for cheap water, effectively. So a lot of companies have agreements with the governments to basically get water for close to nothing, at cost or below, mm. so that they can run their operations. So so how do we influence big business? Besides government, change, get government standing up and, and changing laws and regulations, yes. how do we influence them? And we know that most of these big companies are public. They have yep. shareholders. Yep. So how do we then get shareholders to put pressure on those companies? What sort of mechanism is there to vote down decisions or vote down executive pay? Like, we have lots of people who are shareholders, mm. but how do we get that people power sort of motivated? Well, you, you touched on an interesting point because uh, there's an increasing sort of uh, push from shareholders and investors to start um, to force companies to be more sustainable. So at annual general meetings, they're I guess it's fund managers then, right? Yeah, they're putting together resolutions. So superannuation you... funds? Yeah, because we understand the value of sustainability. Because um, there's a lot of evidence that shows now companies or, or the superannuation funds, they want to invest in green companies. Companies that are actually good for the environment because mm. they know the monumental impact that um, you know, findings such as the UN report will have on their profitability uh, of, of less sustainable companies should there be a change in worldwide regulations that increase the costs of you know, Whatever fossil fuels is. or electricity or water. And I'm hoping that people, you know, when you make your choices about your superannuation, where that money goes, that you have the option to invest in an ethically suitable option yep. rather than just going for the high growth. And I know that some banks make choices not to invest in businesses that might include, you know, deforestation mm. or tobacco production yes. or, or certain yes. other areas. Yes. So hopefully smart investing might help change big businesses' mind yep. if governments aren't making those changes and that if we as shareholders and you know everybody who has a superannuation account essentially can influence this decision making yeah. By writing to those fund managers, if there's not an ethical investment option, and saying why can't we have one, or changing yeah. to um, a fund that does allow ethical investments. Well, yeah, but I, I even think that it should be a no-brainer to some extent because there's a lot of evidence that shows sustainable companies outperform non-sustainable companies, given the the fluctuations in the cost of resources. Uh, companies like Qantas, for instance. 
the likelihood that they make a profit is to a great extent dependent on fuel prices, mm. right? And it's something that we have, that's a limited resource mm. now, right? So it, You can't exactly run a plane on biodiesel. No, you <laughs> can't a lot of either. fish and chip oil. You can't either. But it, it goes to show that these investments, the, these companies, to be better investments, they need to look for more sustainable options. So when we run out of fossil fuel, how do we fly places? <laughs> We're going to have to find different options. <laughs> that we, I won't... Steam... I, Oh, well, you know, even if you have your steamships, you've got to have something combustible to burn yes, to create that's, steam. That's cool. Well, so, people have sp- talked about nuclear energy, but then nuclear is kind of like this sort of scary thing. But it is sustainable. But what do you do with nuclear. spent nuclear material? Then that's a whole separate issue, right? Then you know, there's hydrogen as an option, but how do you store hydrogen properly? Ugh. There's just a lot of uncertainty around that. That's it. We're, not go- we're never going anywhere. Once we let's, run out of fossil fuels, stop we're going back in time to uh, rural village let's just, society. Yeah, maybe let's, do, let's just spend our resources on a time machine and then we'll go to a nice prosperous time in which the world wasn't too warm. And Or we'll have to develop space travel to find a new planet because we've just crapped out our own. Yeah, I mean, if the UN report is, is as scary um, as it's sort of making out things to be, then it's... Um, Definitely something to be concerned about. I, I know in I'm looking at the notes that you've that Nelson Nelson always prepares great notes for our shows, by the way. <laughs> and um, Nelson had a note about Beijing is going to be meeting tougher emissions targets, and any car makers that sell in in China, they've gone zero emission vehicles that are higher than you know it's better than anything else in the world. I love the fact that China's taking a lead, especially because they're a big manufacturer. Yes, um, and they're you know growing in their size in terms of population and mm. resource requirements and um, global income. And I think countries like China have a much greater chance of success. Yeah, absolutely. Because of the coordination, and because the government says, "Okay, let's think long term. Let's think of the collective good." Yeah. More than we're thinking of individual wealth. Absolutely. And then, yeah, it's great for them to sort of take this lead. So it's kind of pushing, whereas countries like, you know, the US have, have pretty much abandoned their views on, abandoned this view of, of, of needing to be sustainable. But then that, again, helps to promote companies that are more sustainable. Car manufacturers, it forces them to be more sustainable because we know manufacturing mm. is a huge, mass, massive cause of uh, global warming. I think this is going to be one of the big challenges and wicked problems facing you know us and our children is how do we keep living on the planet without killing it um and you might think well how's that going to be an accounting issue and you know this all comes down to the numbers and it all comes down to the analysis of cost versus benefit yes and the benefit is we want to keep (laughs) we want to keep living on our planet the cost you know someone will always say oh we'll try and shift the cost all right, let's, you know, this week, unfortunately, we saw the death of Ian Kiernan. So Ian Kiernan was one of the founders of the Clean Up Australia campaign. Mm. And I had the great pleasure of being at a UTS graduation where Kim Mackay, AO, she's the CEO of the Australian Museum, and she and Ian started the Clean Up Australia Day campaign mm. back before there was the internet. So mm. before you could get people to work together through the internet, they came up with an idea. They mm. went to the government. The government said no. Mm. And this all came from Ian sailing solo around the world. And he said, you'd be surprised how much garbage we think we don't know that there is out in the ocean. And we yeah. know now that there are these huge garbage swirls out in the ocean of all yeah. the rubbish that we throw out. Yeah. So how can we do better? You know, if, if someone can figure out, and we know that 
China is accept is no longer accepting a lot of plastic for recycling. I had no idea that most of our plastic that we throw away to recycle goes to actually goes to China for more processing, and they've stopped. Yeah, they basically started re- rejecting. Um, so what does that mean for us? You know, we need to have more technologies to be able to take plastic and turn it into, you know, to really recycle it. Can yeah. we turn it into a fuel source? Um, it originally starts from a petroleum product, right? Yes. So, <laughs> surely some science buffet. Yeah, to be able to, yeah, if we can invent plastic, we can invent some sort of alternative, right? That, and that this is where sustainability reporting comes in and non-financial reporting and balanced scorecards and environmental reporting and environmental assurance you know, we need to take these skills that we have in terms of problem analysis yes. and costing and try and cost out. Well, what's the future going to cost if the world goes the way that the UN climate report is saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, the AFR predicted that the price of one of the, f- the funny things, but not funny things they talked about after the climate change report was that beer prices are going to go up. Because it takes a lot of water it takes a lot to of, make you know, beer. It's, Growing it's not the barley, a one for one. it's growing the barley, and then it's malting the barley, and then it's yes. making the beer. It's a very yes. intensive process, and so we might not, you know, they were saying it's going to be little things. Everything is going to go up, but it's going to be little things yeah. like the cost it, of beer and even you the know, cost of vegetables and fruit, because with increasing sort of temperatures, we're going to need to move people crop, away crop from yields. the coasts. Crop yields aren't going to be as, as yep. uh, depletion yeah. of soil nutrients. Yeah. Um, and right now we know that a lot of Sydney's agrarian land that used mm. to be farmers' markets yeah. has been diminished and replaced with houses. Yeah. So where do we get our fruit and vegetables from? And I know that in the US, when you go into a supermarket, a lot of their vegetables come from South America. Mm. So you know, when fossil fuels run out, how are you going to fly your vegetables from South <laughs> America to California or to New York? There's certainly lots of sticky issues for yeah. accounting. And if we think that accounting is just going to be a measurement tool i think we need to be part of the solution well we need to be absolutely because at the end of the day we need to prove that there are profits and value to be created through sustainable investments and although sustainable investments you know people just think of it as a burden or just more costs it needs to be added up against the true cost of not making these investments Mm. and maybe then we need to you know work on valuation models for quality of life potentially because if in the future we have poor air quality water you know is going to be more expensive then let's include that in the cost of these things and i know that gets complicated but i think if anyone can figure it out it's accountants all right yeah all right i think we should wrap that up for this week yes thank you for listening as always if you have a question you can contact me on at amanda.w.y at uts.edu.au you can find nelson on the uts website or nelson.ma at uts.edu.au nelson's not on social media no you can find me everyone social media everyone (laughs) knows where i am on social media but thanks for listening and we will chat to you next week all right bye